Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know to impact at jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org. Click on the Give link and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, Good Father. In this series, we will dive deep into the Father heart of God. Join us as we remove the fog of religion and many man-made definitions of God. We will get to the core of his true loving character and his desire to have a genuine relationship with each one of us. Hi folks, I want to welcome all of you, all of our campuses, all of our visitors to our JFC uh, weekend. We're glad that you're here. Before we jump into the message, by the way, you're given the notes on the way in. So if you grab them and get a pen for the fill in the blanks, or if you're going to use a device, that'd be great while you do that. Let me, uh, let me do this uh, real fast. Our kids' camp is next weekend. If you haven't gotten your child signed up by now, it's not too late. You can still do it. You have to do it online to be able to take care of it. Last week, we stood up and we asked for those who would like to help um, to uh, give us any of the scholarships. I want you to know, uh, between all of our campuses, the response to that was so much that I was told, hey, you don't even need to ask for it. It's all taken care of. So I uh, would even throw out to you, if you have a kid that wants to go, but you just find yourself in a position where you can't do it, we would like to help you. So please let us know, and we'll make sure we don't want any kid in our church who wants to go to camp to, to miss camp. Speaking of that, let me, let me give you something really cool is happening in our youth. Pro- I'm, yeah, I just, I need to do this. Something really cool is happening with our, with our youth groups right now. And I mean from our teenagers down to our little kids. This last week was VBS. So our little guys, all of our nursery coordinators and Amy Pillar uh, give you all props and credit for the job that uh, she headed that up between all of our campuses. And they had, all of our VBSs were completely sold out. Place was just covered with kids, all of our campuses. The little kids picked a missionary to help, to raise money for. And they picked our missionary in Nepal. You know, you know right now that's a place where, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but they had the, the major earthquake there, just, just damaged. So our little kids, the ones in um, pre-children's church, this is the one that are in our nurseries, raised over $5,000 this last week. How about that now? There was a little bit of a caveat with that money. Here was, here was the caveat. The kids that brought in the most money got to throw pies um, at designated people. And I was one of the designatees that got, got hit. But I gladly took 10 pies in the face in order to help our missionary in Nepal. And those kids were so excited about that. But imagine that just, just through all of our ministries right now, even, you know, Life Day um, just, a, just a couple of weeks ago, um, your generosity towards that, uh, our two youth mission trips that are coming up in the next couple of months, you, you, you raised just in that um, close to $15,000, just in that right there, which is, it works out to about $400 per kid that's going on a trip, and we don't want to fully fund a trip, we want people to work for what they get and, you know, participate in all that, but when you help to pay, in, in one of the cases, it's 25% of a trip for a person. So people go, church, how can I just say thank you enough for your generosity and all that you're doing and, and the way that the world is just being changed because of you in this church? Yeah, we can, we can clap for that. That's okay. So it's a good deal. Uh, if you grab the notes, we're in a series called Good Father. And uh, I, I put uh, right at the, uh, the intro right there, um, uh, right below it, the portable. I try to, in every series, write down a sentence that if you had to tell your friend, if someone said to you, What's your church teaching on? Or if you wanted to make it portable and tell somebody, here's what we're talking about right now, or here's, you know, come and, come and hear this message. Uh, here's the sentence 
that I think would make it portable. Uh, it's, it's context, the heart of it is learning um, to live from, not for, the love of God. Learning to live from, not for the love of the God. Now you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, Pastor, I've heard you say that before, that's just so close. It's one letter, in, it's just semantics, right? Here, here's the difference. I want you to think about this. When you live for something versus from something, think of the difference in that person right there. When a person already has something, it gives them the freedom to be able just to, man, everything that they, if you have God's love, the way you pray is different. If you know you have his favor, the way you treat other people is different. The way you read your Bible is different. The way, just the way you do everything, it's different. And if you're trying to get it, you don't know this, but the way you read your Bible, you're reading it through the lens or the filter of you're trying to get approval. Uh, when, when you're praying, you're not praying from a place of acceptance. You're praying from, praying from a place of trying to get accepted. You don't even know it. And my heart would be in this series that if you could capture the heart of God, if you could not only get it from here in your brain, but here in your heart so that you were living it, man, it just changes everything. It changes everything. When we go to Israel, I'll tell people the difference between a person who goes versus a person who doesn't. Once you go and you see it for yourself and you've lived it, you never read your Bible the same, yes or no? When you read about the places, you, you get a picture in your mind of what it looks like. You can, you can smell it. You can touch it. There, you'll bring up. You just, it's different for you. That's what I mean about the love of the Father. We, we, we'll all read the same scriptures, we'll hear the same message, but the person who gets the love of the Father, they're at a different place when they hear it. They're getting it from a, they're, they're seeing it. it. It conjures up an experience that is so good for them and so right for them and it's so close to their heart. And then the other person, it's like going someplace you've never been. You, you, you're, you're grasping, you want it, but how do you get it? And I would just say if there was anything in this message that I would pray that God would do, it's to get it into your heart to get it into your heart. So let me, uh, let me just move it. We'll call it the love of the Father. That's actually the message for tonight. Uh, I put right below that, God's attributes aren't what he does, it's who he is. And here's what I mean by that. We're gonna say, if I just said, throw, 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 give me, give me a, a, an adjective to describe God, I'm sure one of them would be love. Yes, no, God's love, right? Okay, so when we say, this is an attribute of God, his attributes are not, not what he does. Because if it's what you do, then it's something you can change on. But if it's who you are, you can't change it. It's just the nature of the person. You understand what I'm saying? So that when we say that God is love and we're talking about the love of the Father and the heart of God, when we say that this is not simply uh, something that, that, that God does, but it's who he is, what we're saying is God, God uh, he doesn't have mercy, he is mercy. That's good news. Because if it's something you have, it's something you can lose, but if it's something that you are, it never changes. It always stays the same. And so I put down just this thought right here. I was in sort of a reflective mood. Uh, when I think I'm deep, I write it down. And then when I read it back in front of you, I'm like, why did I write that stupid sentence right there? It seems so deep at the time. Here was my deep sentence that I wrote. Whatever God is, he is fully that thing. You understand what I mean by that right there? I'm not asking the question, whatever God is, he is fully that thing. What I'm saying is, whatever he, if he is love, he is fully, he is not sometimes love, he's always love. If he is merciful, he is not sometimes merciful. Whatever he is, he is fully that thing. So he is all love. He is all mercy. He is all kindness. He is, he is. And that's where this message sort of will enter into. So if God is love, and what I just said is true, whatever God is, he's fully that thing. If God is love, and we have misconceptions about God, doesn't it stand to reasons, then we could have misconceptions about love. Does that make sense? 
Are you, you following? Do you, do you want me to slow down when I say it? Some of you are like, I, I'm just going to agree. Just keep moving. Just, well, I'm sure you're getting somewhere. All right, let me, let me, I'll read this to you. It's a little bit longer scripture. Um, but when I, when I was, when I was studying it, I thought to myself, how would I cut it off right here at this place? So I just, it's, it's actually 7 through 12 and 16 through 19. And let me just read it all to you and then we'll just teach her. So uh, John, John is, um, this is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. That's this John right here. John is not only an eyewitness, but he also said of himself uh, that this is the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know that this guy has a, he has a righteous understanding of who he is in Christ to write that down about himself for the world to read. The disciple whom Jesus loved. No one else is saying that about him. He's saying that about him. I just, I like that about John. So John, he takes this, this uh, approach to us understanding God's heart and who God is. Dear friends... Let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not what? Know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love. I'm going to go to the next part right here. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And then he goes ahead and he defines what love is. This is love, not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. There it is again. Whoever lives in love lives in God. God in him in this way Love is made complete among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in, what's the word again? But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect or in other words, mature. Love hasn't matured that person if they have fear. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first Loved us. I know that is, um, that's a lot. It's a lot to digest. One verse would have been enough to support teaching this message from. But as I got into the context of it, here John is writing from his own experience, trying to describe not only the love that God has for us, but how that love manifests in our life to other people. And it's so complete and it's so full and there's so much. I thought, man, I'm going to let the scripture speak for itself and read this out. Now from this, I'll pull three things that I think begin to demonstrate, and this is what John is trying to talk about, God's love, God's heart, a father's love. And so I would just say three things from this that I think stand out speaking of the love of the father. First of all, love is a choice. Love is a choice. If you got the fill in the blank right there, the word is choice. Um, how do we know it's a choice? Because the Bible says that God chose us. We didn't choose him. This is how we know what love is. God chose us, yes or no, then love is a choice. Now, I got some bad news for you. Hollywood has misled you for many years on this issue because what Hollywood puts forth, what media puts forth, what we see in the world around us, and even in the church, I hear this in, in the counseling office. I hear this when I meet with couples. I hear this from my pastors who report to me what's going on in people's lives. The idea that, that I, I, how can the world, can I make my heart do, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yes or no, have you ever heard that? The heart wants what the heart wants. 
And that flies in the face of this saying that love is a choice rather than a feeling or an emotion or just simply something that happens to us. Real love is a choice. God chose us. Hollywood has misled us in this issue. We're told on and on again that people can fall in and out of love. Let me say this to you. If it's true, if that's the nature of love, that people fall in and out of it, then you and I need to be very afraid. We need to be very afraid of how God feels about us, but more than that, we need to be very afraid of how we feel about each other ultimately. And maybe the reason that no one sits here and goes, you know, you're right, pastor, is that we all are part of a culture that tells us love comes and goes depending on the day, the way I feel, what happens between you and I. We've all bought into the idea that love is not a choice. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. The heart just wants what you don't choose who you love. Wrong. You totally choose who you love and you choose it every day. That's how it works. Especially, how do you know that? Because that's what the Bible tells us, and that's the kind of love that God has for us. It's the kind of love you can count on, the kind of love you can believe in, the kind of love that you know won't change because you do. I'll say it one more time. It's the kind of love that won't change just because you do. That's good news. It's really good news. Huh? Jesus actually commands us to love. If love is, hey, the heart wants what the heart wants, then how in the world could Jesus command us to do something that would be impossible for us if you can't choose love? He commands us to love one another, yes or no? The very gospel of John, in 14 and 15, the commandment that is given to they will know you are my disciples by the way you, therefore, love one another. It's, a command, it's not the great option. It's not the nice fallback. It's not the, hey, if you're having a good day, then love me. Here's what I want you to do. Love each other. Love is a choice. It's a choice. In the counseling office, I'll hear it this way. I used to love this person. Actually, here's the way I hear it. I love this person, but I'm not in love with this person. That's how I hear it. Maybe some of you have said the very thing. You bought into a worldly philosophy, a worldly design, and a worldly system about love. Emotions can go up and down. No question about it. We are made up partly of emotions, but real love is not based on your emotions. Here's what I know. Make a decision, and your heart will follow your decision. What you're doing is letting your heart lead and then making your decision afterwards. Make your decision, and then your heart will follow. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't let your heart tell you where your treasure is. Decide right now, this is my treasure. All right, let's go a little deeper. I can tell this is going over so well. Let me just go a little further with this right now. <laughs> the thought might be, how can I control such an emotion, such a choice? How about Ephesians 5? Uh, let, me, let me tell you why you need this kind of love, love that's a choice and not an emotion. Ephesians 5, Paul writes to husbands, and here's what he says. Uh, husbands... What? Does he say, if you feel like it, love your wife? So thank goodness is right. Because any woman in this room who is married, you would not want to go, do you feel like you love me today? That would not be healthy, yes, no? And, and then, and then to, to women, he goes, wives, submit yourself or place your husband in this position. He doesn't go, if you feel like honoring them. If you feel like, if they earn your respect, then you can, here's what he says, make a choice to do this thing, yes or no? Are you with me on this? Do you think this is possible? 
Do you think this is the way God loves you? So let me, here, here let me, let's, let's just unravel it real quick. So why does God love us? Because we got our act together? You, you got dressed up? Took a shower? You're not saying any bad words. I mean, what is it that God loves about you exactly that's so positive? Here's how we know what love is. He chose us. We didn't choose him. We love him because he first loved us on your worst day, at your worst time. And for some of us, for some of us, we've walked with God so long, we can't remember those times. It would be really good for you to be able to think back to what you were like before God or what you were like without his mercy. Be at your worst time, on your worst day, at your worst event, he didn't love you any more or any less. He loved you exactly the same. And today, when you look better, and you look marvelous. Some of you don't know where that comes from. <laughs> you look good. But he doesn't love you anymore now or any less. It's exactly the same. He chose in our filth to love us and then commands us to love each other with that love. Wow. Huh. Could you imagine what marriage would be like if we really loved each other that way? Let's think for a minute what it would really be like. Do you imagine what your neighborhood would be like if we really loved each other that way? What would government be like if people really loved each other that way? Weird? <laughs> like a world we don't know? Hmm. How about this? When you love someone, you choose to invest, yes or no? Daniel, our youngest twin, our youngest child, when Daniel got engaged last year, you know, Daniel, um, all of your kids have a certain attitude about money. You'll know this to be true. And it's just sort of, they've picked it up different. He picked up along the way monies to spend. That's what Daniel kind of picked up along the way. So he never had any. You connect those two things together, right? You're like, talk about that for a moment. I've never heard this strange new thought that's come to... What is that? If you spend, you don't have. At some level, you've got to hold on to it to have some. And that was sort of like, you know, all of your children have a, a thing. That was his thing. And as he matured and he got older and he had to work for his money, this is what changed his mind. As he had to work for his money and he realized how hard it is to come by, he began to hold on to that money. He began to save that money. I mean, he saved up a pretty good amount. And we never charged him rent. We never charged him groceries. Was, here you go. Work. Everything's good. And, you know, he would come and say, Dad, look how much I have in the bank. And at some point, I'm like, you have more in the bank than I have in the bank right now. <laughs> this is not a fair trade-off right here when he gets engaged. He, he's worked so hard to get to this level, and he saved this money. He actually, he's become kind of a tightwad. <laughs> Literally, he said, I'm a tightwad. 
It's true, huh, Chris? Yeah? Quit talking and look at me for a moment. I'm, I'm waxing eloquent here, and I need your help as I'm, I'm doing this. So he, becomes, so he gets engaged, and he wants to go by the ring. And so we, we send him to our, our friends, uh, Stephen Diane Williams, Williams Jewish, down there, go look for a ring. And he goes, hey, go with me. Help me, help me pick out the ring. So we go in there, and uh, you know, I know what he has, but I'm trying to think, okay, so maybe he'd spend a portion of this. He's like, he's going to spend the whole thing, all he's got. I'm like, son, this is the old you, not the new you. The new you, hold on to a little of it, and you gotta, you're going to get married. You don't, you're not eating for free anymore. Life's about to change. And he's like, Dad, this is what she wants, and I want to give her exactly what she wants, and I don't care what it costs me. What do you think I've been saving this money for? And I get that. Because when you love, it doesn't matter what it costs. You'll pay any price to let the one you know know how much they mean to you, yes or no. And whether it's your time or your words or your heart, if it's your pocketbook, whatever it is, when you love, you invest, yes or no. So where are you pulling this from? God so loved that he gave the ultimate gift. He didn't hold back anything. He didn't give a portion or a percent or a smidge or a taste. He gave everything he had in one shot in order to say, I love you, and if you choose this, everything's okay between you and I. I'll make it all right. It's the ultimate investment. So why do you point this out to us? Because this is the love we're commanded to love each other and him with, yes or no? And then here's the truth. We can't love this way, according to the scripture, until we experience it this way. You want to love like this? You want to be loved like this? Your context must be between you and him first before you can give it to anybody else in your life. So you can hear this message and go, I want to love like that. I want to be loved like that. Love this way and you'll get it. Receive this way and you'll get it. That's the secret. It's the love of the Father. It's the Father's heart. It's the love that God has for us. If we could get, folks, if you could get it from here to here, it changes everything. Can you imagine experiencing that kind of love, loving that way? What kind of prayers would you pray? How would you read your Bible? For some people, it's a book that beats them up. They read about themselves in such a negative sense and all the things they do wrong. When you get it through the lens that he loves, you're reading it from a different place. It's a love letter now. It's a commitment to who he is. It lifts him up. It shows how much he loves you. Hmm. I'll give you the second thing. Love is unselfish. Love is unselfish. So the love chapter in the Bible. For those of you who know the Bible, where's it at? Help me out. 1 Corinthians 13, wow. You're like, I just saw it in the notes. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> so Paul writes, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom mysteries, if I have all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to the flames, but I don't know how to love, I gain nothing. And then he launches into the personal, love is. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. Let me stop and make it more personal. Put your name in there. Make it personal. Read this as though it mattered. Read this as though you're supposed to do it. Read it like you put yourself on the chopping block when you do. John is patient. And John is kind. Hmm. John does not envy. John never boasts. John is not proud. John is not rude. John is not self-seeking. John is never easily angered. John never keeps a record of wrongs. If you put your name in it and you're honest, does it seem like I've got some work to do in this area? <laughs> okay, all right, let's, let's do this. Personalize it and let's use Jesus' name. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy and Jesus never boasts. And Jesus is not proud and Jesus is not rude and Jesus is not self-seeking. And Jesus is not easily angered. And Jesus never keeps a record of wrongs done. Does that fit easily? Why? Because we totally get him in that light, but it doesn't transform us so we see ourselves in the same light. And we're supposed to. Because when you experience this love, the man who loves knows God. And the one who doesn't hasn't experienced it yet. That's stiff right there. That's really stiff. Love is unselfish. Okay, by definition, love dies to itself. Do you agree with that? If it's not selfish, love dies to itself. Do you agree to that? So I, I, I mean no offense here. I mean no wrongdoing to anybody, uh, especially if you have suffered a loss of a person. Please see my heart in the purest sense. Just, just hear, hear the example. If love is unselfish, and by definition, love then dies to itself. It prefers the other person. It keeps no records of wrong. It never boasts about itself. It doesn't put itself first. It puts the other person. So, so by definition, love dies to itself. This is the problem in any relationship. If you want to diagnose it down to one thing, this is the problem in any relationship. When it's not working, we're not dying to ourselves. Because I've never been to a funeral... I have never had to minister to a family that's had loss. And I've never experienced this fact in dealing with a dead person. I've never seen a dead person offended about anything. So I don't mean that ugly right now, please. Don't trip on my example. I want you to think about this. The last thing a dead person is concerned with is how they look, how they feel. I've never seen one sit up and go, you know, this isn't the service I would have chosen, Pastor. And it's in the suit I would have worn either. I hate this suit. They never say that, do they? So we laugh about that. We joke about it. I want you to think, what, why is that so? Because a dead person's concern is not for themselves. Yes or no? As a believer, you are to reckon yourself as dead in Christ, but alive in the Spirit. And those things, man, we, if we love this way, we die to ourselves. Yes or no? There's not a marriage on earth that couldn't make it if two people didn't learn to die to each other. Do you hear me? It's not a, there's not a relationship on earth that couldn't work 
if two people learn to do this. But all counseling is revolved around this. Get them to change. Get them to fit. They're just, this aggravates me. This is wrong. I, let me show you my list of wrongs. That's the opposite of what love does. Are you with me? You okay? It's almost over. Hold on. It's all good. You know, the bad part about this is just because I stopped, the Holy Spirit will not. I hope this bothers you enough to consider my words. Love is a choice. Love is unselfish. Last but not least, love is unconditional. Love is unconditional. Amy? Our little saying is... I like you for always. I love you forever. All of my children. If you're a dad and can be there to put your kid to bed, can be there to put your kid to bed. If you can't, it's different. If they're grown up, I'm not talking to you. But if you're a dad with a little kid and you can be there to put them to bed and you don't do it, you're missing something awesome. The rituals you develop right then and there, the way you can communicate that love to them. All of my children, as I sat in their room, there was a little book called Love You Forever. It's a silly book. The lady loves her kids, so she rocks him to sleep every night. And it's actually the opposite. I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as you're living, my baby you'll be. And then as the mom grows old, the boy comes and does it to her. And then when he goes back to his house, he begins to do it with his baby. It's a silly book, but there's a powerful principle. To communicate that love, look at me. No matter what my children did, they could never get me to quit loving them. doesn't mean I would approve of everything. It doesn't mean I would make the same choices. But no matter what my children did, I would never stop loving them. Never. If they didn't hold my values in life, if they didn't believe what I believed, if they came to me and said, I am the opposite of all that, I would still love my children. And if you find that hard to swallow, I bet you have trouble feeling that way this way. I bet you do. Because no matter what you do, he'll never stop loving you. Love is unconditional. That doesn't mean he approves of everything. And it certainly is not the way he would have done it or he wouldn't have had to send Jesus, yes or no. But he'll never not love you. It's unconditional. We're most like our father. Do you remember what I say? When we act like our father. When we can love like he loves. We can give that away to people. Is that not where it's at? The father heart of God the greatest benefit of it is not what it does for you, but it's what it does for everybody around you. I'll just close with this. I want you to think of your mom. I think for most people this will work. Or your wife. Your grandma. When you think of the kind of house they keep, 
I bet for the most part, they care for their house. For the most part, I know not everybody will fall into this. But for the most part, they keep care of their house. They try to keep it clean. They try to keep it up. The place they live, it's a special, you know. They want it to be presentable, to be nice. So why would any woman or man, in this case, why would they ever bring a little animal, little or big, into their house if it's such a special place? What do you think about what? It's an animal. A dirty animal. Lives outside. Scratches itself. I mean, think about what an animal. It's an animal. So why would a, why would a right-thinking human ever bring that thing into the house? So I want you to just think about this for just a moment. So we got this little dog. He makes it into many of my messages. And the joke at home is, you know, I don't, I don't care for him, but he cares for me. He really does. That dog is devoted to me. But Chris, she just, we just got to have him. He's just so awesome. Look at, look at his eyes. Look at him. And I finally just thought, I'll tell you exactly why people would bring an animal, big or small, like that into their house. They have a way of expressing unconditional love that becomes tangible and manifest in a person's life. Yes or no? If you're a dog person, you get that. Yes or no? Yes. Cats? No. Dogs? <laughs> yes. By the way, you can't get more of cats to make them love. The more you get, the worse it is. So just keep that in. They just express, and as my children have gone on and gotten married and moved and gone to school and done whatever. It's our house, it's a, it's a great big family house that's empty now. But a little dog <laughs> has the rule of the roost right now. And I ask her, why are we doing this? And I get it. They show this love it's just, it's a tangible manifestation. You just can't make a dog not love you. I've tried. And they, just, they just love you. If I had to put it in terms that you could, even simple terms, that you, that's the love, no matter what you do. You can't make him stop loving you. You can't push him away from you. You may think that you are, but you're not. David said, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Where could I go from the presence of the Lord? And the right conclusion is there's no place. He loves you. God, if we could operate in that kind of love, that place. Father, you do love us. You love us correctly. You love us right. You love us unconditionally. You love us in a way, Father, that when we don't get you correctly, it messes up also our understanding of love because there's no way to know love without knowing you. I know that's a big statement for people to bite into, but it's the truth of the matter. 
without knowing Him, without experiencing Him, we don't really know what love is. We get a portion of it, but it's worldly love. It's love that changes. It's love that moves up and down. It's love that feels different at one point in life than it does today or tomorrow. The love that God has, the love that He calls us to, and then the love He wants us to live our lives out of, it's perfect love. It's love that brings no fear with it. Love that brings, <laughs> brings life. Before I just let you go while we're praying, I just want to ask this question of all of our campuses, our visitors, our regular attenders, whoever you are. I just want to put you all in one place for a second and ask you, do you want to experience this kind of love? from your father. Maybe I'd divide it this way in saying that if you've never asked God, if you've never said to him, God, I want to experience that love. I need that love. This is the kind of message that will open your heart and draw you to him. And I would encourage you, if you feel that right now, it's God pulling on you, pulling you towards his love and pulling you towards his heart and pulling you towards himself. Don't think in terms of, what do I have to do to get that? It's just saying yes to God right now. Maybe you've already said yes to God, but you have trouble moving it from your brain to your heart so you don't live it. I want to pray for both of those things right now. I'll just do it simply this way. If you just say, Pastor, that's me, and that's where my heart is at, and whether it's for the very first time in your life or whether you just, how you feel like it's in my head, but I can't get it in my heart, then I just want you to open yourself up. First time, or you need it moved from your head to your heart, just open yourself up right now. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, this is your job to make the love of the Father tangible in our lives. Father, we open ourselves up to you. God, we open our hearts to you. We open our lives to you. And we ask, Father, you would rearrange. You would move. You would touch. You would draw. You would show us. Lord, I pray for those right now who make a decision for the very first time to say, I want God's love. I say yes to that relationship. Father, thank you for being merciful to them. Thank you for calling them tonight. Let them start at that simple place of just going, I believe he loves me and I want to experience that love. For those, Father, who God, for a long time, their desire is to experience you that way, but something just blocks the heart. Something just keeps it from being able to move in that place in Jesus' name, I ask right now, reveal that thing to us. If it's something that we can do something about, show us, God, so that we can do it. Maybe it's a forgiveness issue. Maybe it's an anger issue. Maybe it's a belief. Maybe it's seeing yourself as worthy of his love. Whatever it is right now, I just ask that the Lord would unblock your heart pray that it would move from your head to your heart and I pray that your life would change 
in a way that you have no idea, no idea. May you experience that love. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thanks, church. Pastor John.